Welcome to Speak with Ibuko. This is a podcast where guests can share their stories and delve into how they came through their journey in life, who and what they encountered along the way, and where they are now. The Decade series continues where guests will share their recollections of decades they have lived and the one they are in now. Welcome to Speak With Ibu. I still have IK here and we're about to pick up where she left off her first decade and this is her second decade. So IK, you were telling us about that exact moment where you met your birth father for the first time. You thought it was your stepfather who had come to see you in school, but when you went to meet the, the, um, the person that your music teacher told you about, you realized it wasn't who you thought it was could you pick up the story from there yeah so um the funny thing was when they said oh your dad is here to see you I thought why is he here to see me and why would he you know but I was so happy I was excited I you know he's here to see me because I just thought yeah dad's here so then I run up to the headmaster's office and standing outside his office I guess my dad was standing there waiting for me to run into his arms um but then I stop in my tracks I'm like hang on and they were like oh your dad's here your dad's here Mm. and you have to understand that my dad is very charismatic and he's sort he's known to a capacity as well in Nigeria Mm. so him turning up and saying you know yeah I'm here to see my child and blah blah blah, they would not discredit him and say he's lying or he's come to kidnap someone Mm. so the school was totally on his side so when they came to get me from my lesson you know they were all excited about the fact and and the school also knew as well i think mom had mentioned to them well i think they put two and two together because my my step siblings had a different last name so mm. He, mm. him turning up obviously and and i look exactly like him. i'm mm. just a girl but i look my son now is a is a dead ringer for my dad my dad when my dad's you know, when they meet when they see each other my dad's always saying to me this was exactly what I looked like growing up mm. he's exactly like me and and I see that in my son as well mm. so they kind of knew and then my dad was he was standing there he was waiting for me to like sort of run into his arms and I stopped immediately and the smile went away and it was just shock and mm. in my head I thought this was what was going to happen I thought some people would come out from god knows where and grab me and put me in my dad's car and he would drive off with me and I will never see my mom again. And these words came out of my mouth. I don't know him. He's not my dad. Wow. Yeah. How, how did he take that? Oh yeah. I could see he literally, I literally saw him not, he didn't cry because I don't think I've never seen my dad cry, but Mm. I could see that he was broken. Mm. I could see he was broken. So the story then goes that he, you know, he basically tells them, you know, and they were saying, but he's your dad. You should go say hello to him. And you know what Nigerian teachers are like. So they start getting angry and all. And my dad just comes and says, oh, "It's fine. Mm. Leave her alone. Let her go back to class. Mm. Don't worry about it." And then he gets and he leaves anyway. And then just I'm in floods of tears. Yeah. And then I go back to my classroom. But then I, I just I felt like it was okay. You know, I felt like it was okay. I didn't feel like, oh, is that the last time I'm going to see him? Oh my God! And what have I done? Is my mom going upset and all of that? You know, I just went back to my class and in my true style, I'm that sort of person who, whatever happens, I've always been like that. Nothing happens uh, by mistake. Nothing mm. happens because it's the coincidence. Everything that happens, 
happens because it has to happen yeah so at, at that age I knew that already and I just thought oh well yeah that's happened now I'm safe mm, I go back mm. to my classroom I'm and you'll see your mom again exactly and I'll see my mom again which was my safe place I guess you know it's where you feel is your safe place is where you want to make sure you go back to wherever you are and I just thought yes I'm going back to my safe place mm. and then that day um as soon as school was done my mom was there to pick us up and obviously I knew straight away when I saw her uh, at the school gates that she, and she saw me and she said she said don't worry your dad came to say, don't worry about it everything is fine yeah and it was you know later on when we had gotten home my step siblings had settled and then she came to me and she said oh your dad came to see me and he was very sad and mm. and the reception he got wasn't what he wanted and all of this stuff and she never she didn't tell me off for doing that mm. she didn't get angry with me and then she said but your dad would want to get to me um, mm. and he would want to start more often how would mm. you like that give me more often and then she starts to tell me that oh, he, now he lives in Lagos um, he's moved obviously he's now left um, the other his first wife mm. and he's now moved to Lagos and he's getting married soon so my mom said you know when you go to Lagos you would have someone there who'd be like a mom to you and she would look after you it just it wouldn't be just you and your dad and all so it was all set up I, I think he went to her office and he kind of said, you know, this is the reception I got. Obviously, he wasn't happy. And mm. my mom just said, well, you know, let's sort of calm things down and then, you know, sort something out. So when I so when I was 11, no, 10, when I started secondary school, 10 years old, September, um, it was arranged that every holiday, I think every, so we will break up at the first week of the holiday. I'll spend with my mom, my stepdad and my step siblings okay. and the second holiday uh, my dad would pay for a flight to fly out from Benin to Lagos which was a 30 minute flight so in 30 minutes okay. I'm in Lagos mm. and then I get to Lagos and they're there to pick me so in that that next decade for me or the first half of that decade so from 10 to 15 I was in Nigeria and I think from when I was 15 was when I came to England so okay. the first five years was basically go to school, be in boarding school, break up from school. Half terms I spent with mom because it was one week and then I'll do one week with mom and the other week would be in Lagos. And I think that it's important for you to know that those first five years and me meeting my dad, mm. I had uh, an experience of, so when I'm in Lagos with my dad, it was an experience of a wealthy lifestyle. Mm. And when I was with my mom, because she was the breadwinner in her marriage with my stepdad she was the breadwinner mm. so in Benin we were I would say middle class okay. family or maybe just just below middle class family mm. but in Lagos it was different so for example with my mom in Benin we had no driver we had no cook no one opening the gates um, we just had the one odd cousin who was slightly older than me who would stay with us to help mom around the house. Mm. On the flip side of things, in Lagos, we had a driver that had more than one or two cars. He had actually he had three cars and they all had, mm. it was fascinating actually, because I thought like you have a house for yourself and then you have a house for cars. You know what it's like in Nigeria when you have like a yep. something built for your cars so the sun yes. doesn't actually affect the pace yeah. of the car. Mm. And on different days, he would just drive out a different car. Mm. So in Benin, mom will drive me to the airport. 
and she would hug me and kiss me and put me on the plane mm. and she would give me money as well and I'll go to Lagos and when I'll get to Lagos my dad's driver well one of my dad's drivers would be there to pick me up they pick me up they take my suitcase from me Your dad I sit in the there. car dad won't be there they turn on the AC they drive me straight home I think the first time I came he was there but apart from that it was like yeah okay well you know I'm there the first time too busy you know, I'm at work and so yeah so the driver will take me home I'll get home to cook you know what do you want to eat and they will settle me in and then my dad will come back from work about I don't know five six in the evening seven mm. sometimes depend on depends on how much or how how, how long he was meeting so those were two different lifestyles in, in, in Lagos it was wonderful mm. and in Benin in Benin it was wonderful too but it was a different kind of wonderful there was more love mm. there was more consideration there was more connection in mm. Lagos, on the other hand, mostly as long as you're comfortable, as long as you're okay, as long as you get everything that you need, that was what was there. That was um, the limit. Yeah, that was it, yeah. So your mom, who who has obviously been there from the very beginning, is a bit of an enigma in terms of what was your relationship like with her? Um, I don't think we had any downs. I think the only downs we had was when there was no money. Um, but even at those times, I would, she, I would always say, you know, don't worry. I've asked God and, you know, he will sort things out. Her marriage to my stepdad started to break down, you know. And again, mm. even at a very young age, I would play marriage counselor to both of them. Oh, and wow. I would sit there and, and he would say, you know, this is what your mom's done. And my mom would say, well, this is what he's done. And then, mm. you know, I would sit there as a young child and I'd be like, well, you know, why don't you guys just kind of say sorry to each other and sort mm. it out and sort of move on and, you know, Know, but when I got into secondary school and started visiting dad, I think they both tried to make it work. And I think um, my mom then decided that, you know what, she doesn't have to put up with, you know, all all she was you know, getting from him because it, mm. it became physical. Uh, there was physical abuse as well when I left. Yeah. So he started to physically abuse her as well. And she just mm. thought, you know what, fresh start. Mm. Um, so she came to London. She always had the option to come to London anyway, but she just mm. thought, you know what, fresh start. I'm coming to London. And so she came to London when I was uh, 14. Okay. But I guess because I was very independent. Mm. Um, I was in boarding school. By this time, you have to remember now, boarding school, I would spend half my time in Benin, the other half in Lagos. Summer holidays, yeah. I was more or less in Lagos all the time. Mm. Um, and so she felt like I was in a good place with dad and dad mm. would definitely look after me. My stepmom as well was, she was good. She was all right. I can't you know, complain. We, we got on well. Mm. Um, so I guess my mom just felt, you know what, I can finally let her dad look after her. Not in a, not in a bad way. Mm. Um, I think my dad said that she, she said, well, I'll go to London and settle down and okay. then ask for her to come over as well so I think in that time dad wanted mom wanted me to just be with my dad and my grandparents as well so when my Mm. mom left my stepdad to come abroad my grandparents were the ones who were responsible um, because they wanted to change my school so Mm. they wanted to take me from my school in Benin and put me in a school in Lagos one of these you know all singing all dancing Atlantic halls of Of course yeah no those were the popular schools in Nigeria in the 90s yeah yeah to be honest with you I just didn't like the Lagos lifestyle I honestly did not like it so 
I've, you know, experienced the north and then experiencing the south, down south, and then we're higher up now. We're coming towards the the west. You know? Yes. So mm. I'm like, oh, don't. These people are even louder than <laughs> the south. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God, they're even louder. They're 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 just I don't know. They're so extra vegan and they, you know, they just love the whole lifestyle there was always something going on on Mm, on a Sunday mm. you go to you don't just go to church and go home you go to church and then you end up in like big treats and then there was like water world it was just too much too much Mm. so when my mom was like right I'm going Mm. you would you know you've got a choice you could stay in school here and Mm. still have the arrangement of but instead of coming on your stepdad, you go to your grandparents. And then from mm. your grandparents, you would then you would then go to Lagos. Mm. Um, so I was like, well, I'd rather do that instead. And what, 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 was, type school. what did that do to you, IK? Because this was a stepfather that was, like you described in your first yeah. decade, wasn't a typical step-parent. And yeah. to have that, if you will, almost clean cut yeah. from... It wasn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was clean cut. So like for my mom, it was a clean cut. It was clean cut and that was it. She was gone. One thing my mom said to me, she said, um, so basically she, she told him, which I think, and I still tell her, she said to him that, you know, we haven't, we don't have enough here. I've got an opportunity to go and work and I can make enough whilst I'm there. And I think she convinced him that the plan was she will come here and to the UK yes mm-hmm. and then a year after two years later she would ask for him and his children to come over so she would bring oh, them over she tricked right him. but she told me that that was what she was going to do she said no they're not coming over it's just me going. oh wow um, okay and I kind of knew this this was going to happen anyway um mm. I remember and I remember when I was uh 13 mm. I had a dream that me and her were abroad Mm. and we were in a shop and we were buying things and we had a trolley Mm. I just knew I knew in the dream that we were abroad I knew but I just didn't know what country so I woke up and I said to her I had this dream Mm. and she said where where your step-siblings there said no was your stepdad there I said no she smiled Mm. and that was it it wasn't until I moved here and then we both went shopping Mm. at Sainsbury's and I stood in the middle of the aisle and I was like oh my god this This is is the dream dream." yeah (laughs) um so I, she, she said to me, you know, that, you know, and I knew what was happening as well with the physical. Mm. My mom, my mom can, can take emotional, physical, you know, stand for. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so she went um, and that was it. And, and but with my stepdad, because you were saying, how was it for me with the clear cut? What, whilst mom was in England, I still would go and visit him just to check on him. Okay. Um, I wasn't obviously I wasn't staying over, but I mm. would go you know, for a few hours and we'll sit down and we'll talk and we'll laugh and we'll remember old times with my, with my step-siblings as well. Mm. And, he'll ask, and, and he was also visiting me in school mm. on visiting days as well. Mm. Um, he would visit me in school and he'd bring me money. He would bring me um, food um, on the days that they were allowed to visit us because we were in boarding school. Mm. So he, he was still looking after me, even though he knew there was a chance by coming back and he knew that. So I think my, my relationship with him and mm. the relationship with him and me was almost a different entity uh, from the relationship he had with mom. So mm. he was, mm. he was, I would describe him as someone who was a better father than a husband. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
So wow, he played that, that card tough. until I left. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite tough. Okay, so you were in boarding school for the first mm-hmm. half of that decade, mm-hmm. and then the second half, um, your mom brought you to the UK. Yeah. How so was boarding school? Was it fun? Boarding school was eventful, I tell you. Okay. Boarding school was nice. I think for me, boarding school was just the best because I'm someone who loves to be so independent and that was the other thing as well my mom was like during the holidays to spend one week at your grandparents and then the other weeks whatever it is weeks or if it was the summer um, break we would have one week with my grandparents and the remaining six at my dad's but as soon as my mom got on that plane I'll give excuses to my dad <laughs> and so oh you didn't yeah, like going so I know like, oh, yeah Vegas. we need to do yeah. this at school there's this project dad I can't come mm. and I'll spend time on the phone mm. but in uh, during the summer holidays I couldn't give excuses for those but what I do is I'll spend three weeks with my grandparents and spend so I started to spend less and less time mm. with your father in Lagos yeah and and partly was because, why that happened partly was because Hey, I just never thought dad. My dad works a lot. Like he yeah. loves his job. And I say that now and I f- totally and fully understand that because I'm, I'm like that as well. So yeah. if you remember at the start, I said I could be handling a hundred and one things, things at the same all time. at the same yeah. time. And it just, it excites me. It really excites yeah. me. Yeah. I don't even see it as a challenge. I won't complain. And I will make sure that everything is executed to the best of my possible ability, you know? Yeah. So my dad is like that as well. He would take a project and run with it. He loves, loves working, whether it's helping a company grow, running yeah. his own company, being on the board for another company or just running things. He's yeah. that sort of person um so I don't fault him for it but I guess the downside of it was you know I now had a stepmom and as Mm. soon as she started having her own kids for my dad and don't forget we're from the south so Mm. the first child she would have was a boy and as he came you know Mm. that just changed the dynamics of everything and you would say things to me like oh yeah you know he's a boy but you know he's older than you where you guys are from so, so yeah what well, like is this that. the male takes precedence whether yeah, or not so, so male takes okay. yeah, yeah yeah so male takes precedence over everything but i love my brother to bits we're still very close mm. um he's just an amazing person again i think even though he's my half sibling we take a lot from my dad both of we're both more like dad than we are our mom and so you know, me and him have always 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 been close and we're still close now um again my brother looks like him funny sorry my son my son looks like him what well, well. looks like your brother like my brother yeah, yeah because you so they all look like your father yeah because okay. we all look like my dad so yeah so i think things started to change and you know for my stepmom it was about the whole yeah my brother is sort of if your dad's not here he's in charge now and you know and there's a there's a massive gap between the both of us there's more than a decade between me and and my younger brother brother. yes yeah yeah so 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 i think that just stops was your stepmother a typical step parent then now when i look back i'd say yeah because i just didn't understand i just knew that she wasn't like my mom no I wasn't expecting mm. her to be like my mom and it's funny because my stepdad was more of a dad than mm. my actual dad but then my stepmom was nothing compared to my mom yeah yeah very very interesting dynamic you lived through in that first half so when you then moved to the UK because mm. you've already described one culture shock well, did you experience that moving to the UK Oh yeah, experienced a, um, another culture shock in the UK. Um, so with the UK, when I came, I, it wasn't much of a culture shock because mom she put me in private school. Okay. Um, so again, 
I think it was an easy it was an easy um, transition because I was mm. in private school um, there would be a maximum of 12 people in a class it was an international private school as well so there were more people from Nigeria lots of people from Nigeria in the whole school so there's people from Nigeria people from Sierra Leone I don't know how to I never still know how to pronounce that um Chinese people there were lots of Chinese people and Arabs as well so it was very it was very international and she put me in that school um so for me I guess I would say I experienced the England a lot of people experience when they move over from Nigeria it wasn't like because she actually had better finances here than I remember her having in Nigeria Mm. so again you know by the time I came she had bought her house Mm. and she was she was staying on her own and she was working Mm. and then I came and she was paying for my fees and you know and then I came at 15 and then 16. Follow us on Instagram at speak podcast and you will find each guest has an interesting fact or picture to share with you. Let's get back to the interview. I think by 16, I kind of decided, you know what? I can't keep asking mom for money. I need to go and make my money. Okay. So then I started, I started working part-time in a pub. All right. Yeah. And I was getting paid cash and tips as well. Um, so were you still in school oh yeah I was at school so this was like Saturday so one Saturday yeah 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 so was it a day boarding um school um it was a day school it was a day school so as soon as I came again mom she gave me a crash course just like right you get the bus from here you pay your 50p for your journey get to school you finish from school you get back on the bus you get to this bus stop and you walk home and that was it and then I think a year and a half later was when I thought you need to get a job. So mm-hmm. then I'd go into, I'd get, it was those days where you didn't write a CV. So you'd have to go into shops and mm. get a form and you'll fill out the form. form. You give it to the store manager and you will cross your fingers and pray that you were hired. The good old days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I, I did the whole shop thing. Okay. Because all of my friends, because don't forget international school, so all of them were like, oh, you know, I work at Topshop and I work at Miss Selfridge and all of this. So I was like, okay, well, mm. you know, let me apply for those as well. But I never got any of those. And then I just thought, you know, hang on. Um, I think one of my cousins who lives here mentioned, they were like, you know, you could actually work in a pub. You know, the tips of mm. and I just, I went to the local pub and like, right, okay, how are we going to do this? I need a job. Mm. Mm. You know, and they're like, yeah, okay, you know, it gets busy on Saturday evenings. Do you want to do Saturday evenings instead? And I was like, yeah. So then that was my first job. They taught me how to pull a pint, you know, how to greet the customers. And they said to me, make sure you stay behind the bar. You don't leave the bar. And I was like, okay. So, so again, the owners of the pub were really nice as well. And I think because mm. I had all these adult conversations, I could tell straight away if a guy was trying to solicit or trying to talk to me or trying to ask me out and mm. all of this stuff. So I knew how to handle those things straight away. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that was my first job working in a pub. Mm-hmm. Um, and then saved up all of my money, got myself a computer. Okay. Um, and then left working at the pub a few months after that. Started working at Pizza Hut, which was nice. I was an upgrade from a pub to Pizza Hut. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> so that, that was a, a premium job. Upgrade. Yep. <laughs> and by this time now, um, yes, 
money is paid directly into my account mm. and obviously I was older so I had an NI number and I was able to, to work properly and get paid properly mm. and I knew I knew the right amount of hours to work so I don't get taxed as well that, that there's a trick to that, isn't there? Uh, yep. yep. It's so not tax evasion. It's just being no, it's smart. not. It's not tax evasion. Totally being smart. But yeah. that's very and I was at that age. I think I was at that age as well, where yeah. you don't get taxed because I wasn't well, eighteen. So oh, you are not eighteen yet. Yeah, no, it, it's a totally yet, different yet. system yeah. now um, for yeah. those who are younger and listening. Uh, but that being said, with you being totally independent in terms of then making your money did that then mm-hmm. change the dynamic in your relationship with your mum no it didn't at all mm. um because growing up she always used to give me pocket money mm. every week she wasn't that sort of mom that would and I do that with my kids now um they get pocket money mm. me and my husband and when they want something they say oh mom can I buy this Mm. And this, and I say, you know, yeah, okay, but why do you want to buy? It? And they go, well, this is why I want to buy it. And they go, can I use my money? Mm. And I, and the answer is always yes, obviously. Mm. And you know, they get and when they do, just the same way my mom brought me up, so she'd give me pocket money when they do something lovely or a chore or mm. something really good. They get some extra money whenever relatives give them money i make sure i put it into their account as well Mm. so i i I, and my mom she did that with me Mm. so i think growing up i always had my own little piggy bank my own money on on the side but coming to england was when she'd give me pocket money and Mm. it just didn't it just wasn't as you know the things that i wanted england was expensive Mm. right so the money she would give me was not enough to get the things that I wanted to get mm. and I just didn't like being broke so that was <laughs> that you was learned at thought, an early age yeah that oh, was when okay. I thought I, I'll get a job and even when I get got the job she she didn't stop my pocket money anyway mm. she was just happy that I was very industrious and you mm. know out there so I, I worked at the pub then I worked at Pizza Hut and then after Pizza Hut was when I got university okay. and then I worked at the shop the union you okay. know the, there's always the a student union, and there's union. The shop. Yeah. yeah that's the one so I worked at the student union shop mm-hmm. and then I worked at Lloyd's TSB but the customer service center where you okay. would call where people you'd call people so over that's the phone a to say, yeah yeah so you yeah. took ring them to say you spent this amount on your credit card and you need to pay and then you help them sort out a payment oh, plan and you get commission for that yeah. <laughs> yes and then um after that was when I worked at Lloyd's CSB mm. until the end of university and then I trained for what is now my career and okay. yeah so I've been working since the age of 16 that, that, and I'm that, now 38 yeah. and I've never been jobless so yeah thank god thank <laughs> god not a lot of people have that story so no. the- your first and second decades are your real core formative years so you're a teenager Mm -hmm. in your second decade your Mm -hmm. fierce independence that's carried on from your first Mm -hmm. you obviously um reinforced (laughs) it in the second what Mm -hmm. were the major highlights of that decade because you started university which is another level of independence yeah it's definitely another level of independence because that comes with relationships so your okay. first relationships mm-hmm. my first relationship was a total disaster How so? Um, oh so total disaster in the sense that um he basically was so remember how I said my stepdad's 
relationship with my mom was a different entity to mine and his relationship. So my stepdad with my mom, mom was the one who was the breadwinner. There was the physical abuse, the emotional abuse. And all of that was in my first relationship as well. So yeah the pattern exact exact same pattern but I think the biggest mistake I made was I never discussed that with my mom Mm. because she would have told me straight away you don't need to be in that relation um and to be honest I think the the it it was really bad in the sense that everything just happened it was a three-year on and off relationship Mm. but there was the physical abuse there was the and obviously with the physical abuse comes the apologies and the, you know I'm sorry it won't happen anymore and I, I was I was 18 when this was happening as well mm. um, and then because I had seen it before I thought again that's normal mm. it happened in a relationship and then the financial part as well so like I said I was working mm. so he would take he would take my bank card and he would get money out of my account mm. and so I went into a lot of debt I went into I maxed up my overdraft so I was left with a lot of debt at that age mom yeah. knew absolutely nothing I knew how to hide it I knew how to mask it um it was just yeah and 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 obviously because she was working a lot and I was at uni we hardly saw each other so we would see each other maybe like two or three times in a month yeah. um when I'm at home she's not at home when she's at home I'm not at home um and yeah so when we see each other it was oh how are you are you okay and you've lost a lot of weight you're not eating and would laugh about everything else but would never talk about the relationship Relationship. Mm. and um and uh, for me I think when things started to change was he rang me and he said oh I'm not feeling well Mm. and the protective side of me was like oh you know I need to go find out if he's okay and I need to um I need let me I'll get him food as well Mm. Um, because we're supposed to go out to the cinema and that day and now I'm not feeling well blah 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 so I went into true my style went and got food Mm. and also thought well I'll go and check on him and see how he's doing so I call myself a cab but again it's one of those things where growing up I've always had feelings and I've always gone with my instincts Mm. yeah so then I got into a taxi um Partly because I, I kind of had a feeling that he was lying anyway. Mm. But I thought, well, I'll do girlfriend thing. And then I got him food and I went over. I ordered food and I went over. I mm. called a cab, got in the cab, went over. And when I got to his place, some of his friends were outside and they were already, they were smiling. And I thought, okay, this is weird. And no one even like went in to warn him. And then I walked in and he saw me and he froze. And I thought, you know, okay. So, but I thought you said you weren't feeling well. And obviously mm. there was more anger than excitement. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to walk into his bedroom. And then I walk in, there's a girl in his bed. So I was like, okay. So this mm. is why, you know, you're ill and you can't. So I think for me, that was, I later found out that, that they had been together for I think about five or six months something like that and I thought I just thought you know what well that's it for me now because one thing I said to myself growing up and it's still like that for me now Mm. I refuse to be second best to anyone I'm not I refuse I just I'm you know as as soon as I get that feeling that Mm. I am that I am not enough then I'm gone you know so I think that was it for me no I think that was it for me that was just it Mm. um which in hindsight I think that was very not it was very silly of me to because if my daughter now as well if she 
gets into a relationship and I tell her that now I say to her you know, if anyone ever raises their hand to hit mm. you that's a red flag straight away and, I've, and again I talk to my, my child the way mom used to have conversations mm. and she knows what my mom went through she knows what you know the physical abuse I went through as well so mm. I've said to her if that ever happens that's a red flag for you to go Mm. And with my son, I say to him, you just never you know, hit a woman. It just, you don't even raise your voice at a woman. Mm. Um, and hopefully, I guess for me, my son, he sees his dad with me and his dad never raises his voice at all. He's always calm. Um, mm. And I think even when we do have arguments, I hear my own voice more than I hear his um, speaking a million miles per hour and he's just nodding and listening. But when he finally says something, it, mm. you know, calms the situation or if he's upset as well whatever he's saying he's not saying it to hurt anyone he's saying it to let me know how he's feeling yeah, and yeah. so um, I see that a lot in both my kids actually they're they're nothing like me in the anger part or the I've, I've not taught any I've not taught the both of them how to fight yet so I'm guessing <laughs> my fighting <laughs> skills <laughs> like my like my stepdad did, yeah, yeah because I did yeah at their age i had already had my first crash course in how to swing so mm, mm. um i've not done that with them and i hope i don't get to do that with them um so, I, so they're very calm and I, i'm quite grateful in the sense that they take the good sides of me and their dad and make it into one so i've, mm, I've got mm. there but so that was my first relationship it was that and then i decided to leave and it was it was it was hard making that decision to leave because I think that was when I realized, looking back now, that was when I realized that I really wanted a family of my own mm. and not just a family of my own in how mom raised me as a single mom, but a full family. So a mom, mm. a dad and children together. Yeah. And so with that in mind, every relationship that I went into I saw that person as a potential husband and father to my children it just wow. was never... at such a young age it's yes yeah something you wanted. at a very young age yeah it just mm-hmm. it was never um it was never a oh just have a fling sort of relationship summer romance mm. it was never about that for me it was always long term mm. and looking back in hindsight I guess most of those relationships because I always got the you're too into this and whenever I was broken up with um I never did break mm. going back now gosh I would break their hearts so <laughs> just be like you know what you you're should not have enough. You're I think ugly. you broken a few you're hearts. Good. Your <laughs> breath stinks. I just put up with a lot of rubbish, to be honest. Oh, wow. Um, but um, yeah, I think every relationship that I went into, I always that was the end game. That was mm. the goal, and and that was it. But the, the they always broke me down, and it was always you're too independent, you're a go getter, and those were excuses for them breaking up. You're mm. just too much. I got that a lot. You're too much. You're too much, mm. and you know, you're you, you always want to. You don't let me do my own thing, or when I do my thing, you always criticize it. And for me, I didn't see it as criticism. It was more like, oh, if you did it this way, it would work better, you know. But for them, I was taking charge. You need to submit to the woman. I'm in charge, and all of that stuff. Mm. Um, but then. When I met my husband, he was that sort of person. He's like an open, he just wants to learn. He's got mm. a lot of results. Clever guy, very clever guy, smart guy. And the cleverness of my kids, I, I think it's an attribute. You think it's from him? <laughs> I am sure there's a bit of you, I can in there. So how old I you thought, when you I met thought him? I, I, was, I thought I was very clever, but I think yeah. he, um, 
yeah, no, he's he's a lot more clever than I am in every which has really helped us. But I guess the one thing he lacks is that whole um helping and and the saying you know i know you've thought about it this way what about this other way and he will take the advice as well which were things that i was that other people broke up with me for because Mm. i would just not let them do what they want to do but with my husband now he would you know run things by me as well you know what do you think should we do it this way and it's all about we we so he makes me feel like we're a team and i'm not just on my own but before i met him i was i was in another relationship as well so one of my aunties she decided to um so at this time i was 21 and You know, my auntie was like, oh, you know, 21, you're in your 20s now. You should start looking to settle down and all of this. And I was like, okay, you know, yeah, maybe I should settle down. Because I was really enjoying my life. At 21, you know, I'd, I had, again, because I was working, you know, I, I, was, I had lovely, I had, I, by 21, I had bought myself three different cars. I had driven three different cars and just not just three different cars, but three different sports cars. I was doing really well for a 21 year old. Well, people then used to say how I was so intimidating and like boys wouldn't even approach me because I looked like I had. You had it all. Exactly. So, um, so my auntie was like, oh, you know, we need to hook you up with someone. So she introduces me to someone who was like, in the next decade from the decade I was born, well, in the decade before the decade I was born. So he, he was like, <laughs> well, he was 20 years older than you. Uh, <laughs> I think he was, no, he was, he was about 12 years. 12 older years. Than me. Wow. No, 12, 12 years older than me. And obviously okay. I, the reason why it looked like it would work because mm. he was ready to settle down uh, and get which married. Is what so he was 33. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And which, which which was what I wanted as well. I wanted True. a whole you, family, you a wholesome family. Mm-hmm. I did not think that I would meet someone who's my age and we would want the same thing as well. Um, because I just thought 21-year-old boys are out there having the clubs and all that of they this. Have so why would they want priorities. to settle down? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very so different I priorities to where I wanted to be. Yeah. Let's move into your third decade then. So we'll close off your second decade asking the same question. Mm-hmm. Is there anything? Mm-hmm. So you have expressed um, a certain learning in terms of you wouldn't have stood for a lot of what you stood for in relationships. Yeah. Well, are there, is there any other major reflection you have about um, the ages of 10 to 20? I think it's just the relationships and I I wish I spoke to my mom more about my relationship that that particular one that was abusive I wish I spoke to her earlier I wish I spoke up earlier than I did you know so um yeah, yeah. young ladies please speak up you're never alone um yeah, in no, a you situation have to, you have to speak up yeah. and it was really bad as well because like I used to love watching EastEnders and in mm. during that time I don't know if anyone who watches EastEnders will remember but it was sort of the it was um early millennium so like 2000 or I think it was between 2000 2001 and there was this whole massive thing about domestic relationships and extenders and I used to watch Mm. it and cry and Mm. I'll go you know that's that's just me and Mm. I used to give all the excuses like someone would say like my friends would say you know why have you got that cut on your arm or why are you limping oh I fell down the stairs or I walked into the door like those excuses are actually they roll off your tongue and you mm, actually believe mm. them. And they will give me a look like, okay, you actually think we don't know what's going on, but we'll let you keep lying to us. Sort of thing. But they were there um, for me. Mm. Um, so I think for me, it's just taking the rubbish, really. Mm. I wish I never stood for the rubbish. I wish I 
um, looking back now, I, I wish I spoke to mom because she would have said to me, you know what, you're enough because it just wasn't the physical abuse. It was the whole, oh, you know, you're very ugly. You should be lucky I'm going out with you. No one else would look, give you a second look and all of this stuff. So he was very skilled at messing with my mind and then very skilled at shutting me up by beating me and then also very skilled at taking away finances so it was almost like I had nothing to do and no not nothing to do I had nowhere to go and then it affected my my first year at university so I failed failed and that was the first inclination uh failing university and a red letter coming from the bank home that was when my mom was up what's going on yeah and she said what is going on and then I told her um, and by that time, the relationship, it had ended, it was finished. Mm. And then I, that, but by the time it finished, I think uh, three weeks later was when the letters came in. So I filled in. Mm. My bank sent me a letter to say I was overdrawn. So, so mom then paid off my overdraft. And then she was like, right, well, you need to change unis. So then I moved for uni, went to another town. Mm. So I've moved, I've moved around a lot. Mm, mm. <laughs> I've moved around a lot um, for various reasons yeah, as well. Yeah. Mm. Some of those most mm. of those reasons I think moving around was wasn't really my choice but every time mm. I moved around I adapted into wherever it was mm, and mm. I just carried on with life so which which is which was beneficial because that's due to that I've got so many groups of different friends mm. um and yeah so in a way, that's good. But looking back at my second decade, you know, I wish I spoke to mom. I wish I spoke up earlier. I wish I stood up for myself more. Yeah. You know, I wish I knew I was enough. And yeah. I wish I knew that that was not what relationships be like. Be like. Thank you, I.K., for highlighting that. I, I, I really hope that helps someone listening. Speak up. Stand up for yourself. Do not suffer in yeah. silence. So thank you for listening to IK's second decade. We're going to go into the third. Hope you listen to that too. Thank you for listening. All of us have a story to share. You can contact us at info at thespeakpodcast.com or learn more about this podcast at www.thespeakpodcast.com. I hope to welcome you on the next episode.